This is an ABC podcast. I am the wizard Enel. You shall not pass through these lands. Be gone, foul fiend, or you'll be met with the wrath of my enchanted sword. Yes, you are in the right place. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, we're learning how playing games, and yes, even slaying fire-breathing dragons, can give us skills for work. There are a wonderful little microcosm of human interaction, so if you can navigate a game gracefully, you can probably navigate your workplace gracefully. That's Andrew Innes. He's a game designer and founder of Anomia Press, a company that makes card games named after his first ever game, Anomia. My favourite games are the ones where you really can learn about the other people you're playing with. So sometimes that's just like, are they a good winner? Are they a good loser? Are they just generally fun to be with? Are they more difficult? You know, do they work, if you're on a team with someone, do they work well with you or and the others, etc.? I love that. So which games in particular can you gain insight into others? Well, I mean, any game really, you know, there's a there's an old expression about, you know, you'll learn more playing a game with someone in like one minute than you would in in a whole lifetime. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there, but it's you know, it's really true because you really can get a sense of a person very quickly. You know, do they have a sense of humor? Do they have a sense of humor about themselves? Can they laugh at themselves if they mess up? Or if they're winning, do they kind of, you know, lord it over everybody else? Or are they sort of humble about it? You know, those kinds of things are, you know, just it's it's great to be able to observe them in a short period of time because, you know, you have this sort of artificial constraint. You know, the game might only last 10 minutes or an hour. And a whole set of interactions plays out in that time that might not normally play out if you're just sitting in a room with someone not doing a sort of focused activity like a game. But Andrew, here's an interesting thing. A game is a game. So why is it that it gives us true insight into a person? Well, because I think it's it's kind of like a tiny little universe. You know, it it has its own set of rules. You have a particular place in that universe, you have a particular set of resources. And then, you know, what you do with those things, and also what you do with, you know, there's always a generally, there's always an aspect of randomness introduced. So you might have a great set of resources, but then suddenly something might go very badly for you. And you've got to respond to that. Or another player may do something that, you know, messes with your resources or something good that you've got going on. So you've got to figure out how you're going to respond to that person or somebody may be helpful to you. So there's all sorts of ways that you're interacting with one another. And it's just like a very condensed little world. And, you know, I think it's it's pretty easy analogy, you know, to, to go from there to the to, to your sort of larger day to day life. And how might it apply to the world of work? What can we extrapolate? Well, you know, work like games is really just, it's just about people, you know, people working together typically, you know, with work, depending on what your work is, you're almost always in one way or another interacting with other people, providing them a service or uh, working together to create a product or, or some combination of those kinds of things. So you know, you, I mean, work also is sort of a, a little uh, tiny universe. You, you have a role, 
you have uh, resources, you know, you might have a budget, you might have a limited number of, you know, objects to manipulate to turn into a product. You may have a limited amount of time to do that. You may, you know, whether it be a week or a quarter or a year, you may have to sell, you know, a certain number of things in a certain amount of time, or you may need to buy a certain number of things and then convert them into other things, et cetera. Uh, Or you may need to deal with a difficult customer or, or another, or you may be, you know, serving other businesses. So, you know, in, in a sense, like there's, there are these constraints that are applied uh, in the business world and in the working world, almost in a similar way that in a game, it's even smaller and tighter. Like you have, you know, you're doing stuff in an hour, maybe, or half an hour, or even 10 minutes. Or, and some games can stretch for days and days and days, too. There's, there's those kinds of games as well. But you never quite know what's going to happen, uh, even if you've played the game before. And would you even go as far as saying there are transferable skills? So if you become good at games, that that will help you in your life at work? Well, sure. I mean, I think, you know, some games can promote, uh, you know, different ways of thinking. So, you know, some games might cause you to really think about the group you're working with. Like in in the case of a, a cooperative game where like the players are playing against the game itself instead of playing against one another. So on your turn, you might be fielding input from the other players because you're trying to make a decision about what you're going to do on your turn. Uh, often these games are kind of all or nothing. Like if anybody dies in in the course of the game, then the whole game is over and everyone is lost. So, you know, every, it's in everyone's interest for everybody to stay alive so that you can go on to beat the game. So you have to be able to take feedback from the other players and that means, you know, being able to take that's like accepting constructive criticism, for instance, sometimes maybe not so constructive criticism. So so that's not an easy skill. Like a lot of people have a hard time with things like that. Um, they, they feel like they're being told what to do or and then on the opposite end of that, you know, maybe there's a player in the game, a game like that, who is too bossy and they're just like, you should do this on your turn. And they just they don't give you any room for your own perspective, you know, those kinds of skills are pretty key for the working world, I'd say, like really learning how to listen, learning how to look at, you know, read a situation, take in uh, information, both from the environment and from the community, and then make make an appropriate decision. And then, but then who knows what's going to happen, because maybe some random thing will happen that will pose another challenge that you didn't foresee. I wonder what would happen if we saw life as a game, do you think it would change the way we do things, maybe hold things a little lighter, Andrew? I think that's actually kind of a great way to think about life. I, I can't say that I always think that way, but I do think that way sometimes. And generally, when I do, it, it's helpful in making the load a little lighter, I guess is the best way to say it. Andrew, let's go through some specific games. I'm going to just list them. And then if you could give me the strap line, what skills uh, we can gain for the world of work in relation to these games. Are you ready? Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I need some quiz music, so. Okay, ready? Yeah. Pictionary. Oh, Pictionary, that's uh, communication, probably. Effective communication and reading your audience. Cluedo? That would be deduction and observation, paying attention and inference, probably. Trivial pursuit. The value of a diverse 
knowledge set. Scrabble. Obviously, you know, knowledge of words, but also a resource management game because you are given, you know, a finite set of letters to work with, and then you've got to be as creative as you can be. Andrew, you got full points. Winner! Okay, so we know that our skills from games can fit into our working lives, but can we be explicit about it professionally and even putting our gaming skills on our CV? The answer is yes, and for one woman, it actually landed her the job. Hi, my name is Heather Newman. I'm the Senior Executive Director for Marketing and Communications with the University of Michigan in the United States as part of their Office of University Development. When I first started working for the university, I had applied after a career in journalism, and part of that career in journalism was covering video games for a living. And when I applied for a managerial job within the university in a different unit where I am now, I had actually put some of my previous gaming experience on my resume. Specifically, I had led guilds in World of Warcraft, if you're familiar with that game, that had 500 or more people in them at one point. And I had listed some of that collaborative leadership as one of the kind of additional skills portions of my resume. The response was tremendous. The dean who led the unit that I was applying to was himself a gamer or was familiar with the environment and I think was interested in someone who could relate well with modern technology and he felt like this was a good match and he recognized, I think, that element of collaborative leadership involved. So it's an an interesting form of leadership and I think that he saw some parallels with the way things work in the university world. So I think that there are many skills that you can learn in games, particularly cooperative games that are useful in the workplace. And I think that folks will get probably more assertive about including some of their gaming experience on their CVs or on their resumes. I think that it's becoming more open, that concept of what do you put on your resume and, you know, those gaming skills that do apply, where do you put them? How do you refer to them? I think it's, it's becoming much more common than it used to be. So I would encourage people who are playing cooperative games like World of Warcraft, other massively multiplayer games, Final Fantasy certainly is another alternative, same type of universe, Um, and even smaller games where you have kind of cooperative play. If you think about everything from League of Legends to, you know, Overwatch to other games where you have smaller teams of people that you're playing with, I'd encourage you to think about those opportunities as being a, a chance to practice leadership, right, in a very low risk environment. So someplace where you can really start to build those communication skills, how to communicate clearly in times when action is needed and needed swiftly. That's definitely a skill that applies to the workplace. I think that concept of being able to coordinate plans over a long period of time to allow for, you know, everybody's sort of real life interventions that happen every now and then, you know, I think is good training again for those same kind of skills in the workplace. And Honestly, one of the things that I like best about video games is that you get a chance to play with people that would not ordinarily be in your peer set, right? They may not live near you. They may not be the same age as you. They may not have the same background as you. You know, they may work in entirely different parts of society. They may have entirely different kinds of jobs. And I think that it really broadens your perspective to be able to work effectively with people who may be 20 years older than you or, you know, 15 years younger than you or may have have families and you don't or vice versa, right? To understand those folks and to start to develop empathy for them and to be able to work collaboratively with them, I think that is the ultimate work skill, no matter what level of employment you're at. If you can get along with other people who aren't the same as you, I think that it makes your success within the workplace pretty much guaranteed. 
In one game that I'm playing, I am a halfling ex-pirate. He's a rogue, and he's also developed some magical powers. That's Dr Jesse Olsen. He's a senior lecturer of management at the University of Melbourne, and he loves Dungeons and Dragons, or D&D, if you're in the know. It's estimated that over 50 million people have played D&D since it was released in 1974. And if you don't know it, it's a fantasy role-playing game. There's a narrator, known as the Dungeon Master, and each person plays a character. As a team, they explore, solve problems, battle and gather treasure. Different people will make characters in different ways according to the kind of how the group wants to play. But we start out with a pool of points that we allocate to different ability scores. And then we get from there, we get to choose, you know, what kind of species are you? Like I said, uh, my character is a halfling. You could be a human or an elf or something. You can choose your class. So are you are you a, a rogue or are you a fighter or a wizard or a sorcerer? And then you can even pick just very specific skills around like be- being able to sneak around or <laughs> uh, knowing about magic or, you know, these kinds of things. And Jesse, once you then have your persona, you have your skill set, does that stay constant? Do you then just sort of have to learn how to work with those skills that you have? No, you don't stay constant. So as you play, you'll typically level up either as you get more experience, then at other times you do get to make some choices about, you know, what new skills you want. And uh, you've looked at how Dungeons and Dragons can help us with the world of work. When you're looking at the skill sets that you've got and this idea of levelling up, how would you say this is applicable to work, Jesse? At work, we are developing ourselves, hopefully, and we're learning new things, if not about the job, because, you know, there are so many different types of jobs, just like there are different classes in D&D. When we're working with other people, we're probably developing skills to talk to them and to communicate things to them and even idiosyncratic things about our work group and learning about each other and how to get along and, and how to get the job done. And so when you're teaming with someone else in Dungeons and Dragons, are you looking explicitly at their strengths, at the things that they bring that are unique to them? Yes, I think or we're, we're looking for a particular skill set in a given situation, right? So, so if we're trying to sneak and we're trying to pick a lock, then we're going to be looking for a rogue type of person. Since it came out in the 70s, D&D has moved from geek subculture to mainstream pop culture. The latest example of this is the new movie, Honour Among Thieves. If you see the Dungeons & Dragons movie, uh, we had another character who could who could wild shape into uh, animals uh, and they could get into tiny places by turning into a fly or whatever. So there might be some unique way of approaching a task. You know, you don't need to pick the lock. You can just turn into a fly and fly through the, the keyhole, right? So there might be some really creative way to approach a task that we don't know about. And I think that could happen in the real world as well. There might be some way to solve this problem. Our team doesn't have the obvious skills needed to solve that problem, but maybe there is something hidden there, uh, some um, unorthodox approach to solving this problem. An interesting part of developing your character for D&D is not only choosing your strengths, but also realising your weaknesses, something we could definitely borrow for work. 
when you're building your character, it's trade-offs. You, you pick these skills at the cost of these other skills that you could have had, right? So, and guess what? In life, we make choices too. We choose to learn certain things. And there are a few people who can go and learn how to be a doctor and a lawyer and a physicist and everything else. There are a few people like that in the world, but that's not really the, the norm. Do you think that we could build characters for ourselves in our work lives? It's a maybe a different use of the word character, but we do work on ourselves in the same way that one might work on a Dungeons and Dragons character in that as we get experience, as we get promoted, right? That's kind of like leveling up. Uh, we get more opportunities to develop different skills and we have to make choices. We have to choose how to use our time uh, when we're doing training and development. Now, you don't need to be a D&D lifer to get the benefits from D&D. A good example of this is on the podcast, Girls Who Don't D&D. Corey is the dungeon master, the narrator, and he guides three women, Indy, Alana and Stacy, who have never played the game before. Stacy says she was pretty sceptical at first, but now she loves D&D and the skills it's given her. We fell in love with it because it was something so unfamiliar to us, but it was like this own little imaginary world where even though we're all so, so different, we were completely immersed in this imaginary world and it's, you can really see it when you play like a good dungeon master, Corey, will be able to create a world for you that you actually feel like you're participating in. It was a really nice break from my phone as well. You know, that mindless scrolling. It was, I think I fell in love with it because it was true connection with people. Inside of all the fun and engagement of this game in this like immersive world that we're in, I started to realize that it takes a lot of critical thinking and it takes a lot of understanding of other people and the skills that I brought to my workplace. I'm in a leadership position. And for me, it was that I started to realize that this little world that we were playing in is a microcosm for our actual physical worlds that we're in. And I started to see that, well, this is a D&D game. This person lacks in this skill and this person's really good with this, but we all need to get here. So how are we going to work together to make sure that that comes into fruition? And so it was the critical thinking and the empathy and the recognizing of what each unique person brings to a team that's going to get you to the same spot. A lot of the time we're so driven by our targets and our goals that we forget to be a team and we're just racing to that deadline. Some of the skills I think I've taken away from running the game is to see the see everything from a completely different perspective, that you're creating a product. So for us, it's been a little bit different because it's just a game, but in part of that is that you're telling a story, which is our product. And when you're creating that, you've got to think of all the pieces at the same time. How do they all link together? So it's, it's seeing the jigsaw while you're building it, but knowing that all the parts are going to be there. And, and part of that is that critical thinking. But a lot of it really is the thinking on your toes, thinking really quickly of all the pieces you've got and wondering how they'll start slotting in together. But having this faith that you will actually, you know, this confidence that you will actually get there too. When I look back, at my journey with D&D, I used to think that I guess I didn't have time to play D&D because it was taking away from work. And now I think in a way it is work, but it's upskilling yourself in a way because you're connecting with people from different walks of life and different abilities. And if I think about all the things that, you know, I want for our future generations that I want for my children, I want them to be critical thinkers. I want them to be resilient. I want them to be able to connect with people. And playing that game 
allows you to do that, but it's making it fun. It's making a fun thing to do. And I think that naturally translates into your workplace because you do become a little more empathetic or you do start to be a little bit more resilient in the way that you approach things. It's an opportunity to explore a character beyond themselves and it allows you to find aspects of your own personality you may not have known were there. Once you've found them, you can in- integrate them back into your real world, which includes your workplace. And I think that a lot of people grow because of that. We see that we see that with a lot of people who write to us and tell us how much role-playing games help them evolve. For Andrew Innes, the biggest thing games can teach us for work is how to navigate the gap between our expectations and reality. You've got expectations and then the game does something or another player does something that really challenges you. And it's, again, back to this idea of the microcosm of the larger world. You know, to be able to weather those kinds of things gracefully is probably maybe the greatest lesson of a game, but also probably your working life, being able to take in what's happening around you and then be creative with it and keep moving. Jesse, do you think that there's a D&D mindset? Yes, I think there is a Dungeons and Dragons mindset, but I'm not claiming that it's unique to Dungeons and Dragons. I think a lot of people get this mindset from different things. A lot of people get it from team sports. A lot of people get it from gaming, like esports. And it's this mindset where you have to work together, sometimes under pressure. Uh, You have to be able to communicate really effectively. And you have to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and when to step aside and when to shine, of course. We need to often solve problems creatively or approach situations creatively and adapt to change. So I I think those kinds of elements are present in a lot of activities. Can you point me to a time and give me an example of when your D&D mindset or your D&D skill set you used at work successfully? Yes. So I am a, uh, an educator. Okay. So I do research and I teach at a university. I found that when I started thinking more or embracing more of these kind of background interests, when I was in the classroom, I would take on those kind of difficult student questions about content that, mm. you know, sometimes I have to teach something new. And sometimes I'm a little less familiar with it. But when you embrace this kind of mindset and you think, well, let's just have a discussion about it. Let's not be afraid. I found more courage in saying, okay, well, look, this is all new, but let's talk about it. What do you think it would be like if in the workplace we treated our work life like we were playing a Dungeons and Dragons game? Yeah, so I think we would see a better workplace. It inspires us to really try to understand ourselves and others and to have communication, open communication about what it is that we're going to do and how we're going to contribute. I think that it would create more inclusion. Whatever diversity we have in the in the workplace, it would really turbocharge it and empower it. And that's where we get inclusion, where people feel like they can express themselves and leverage, really, truly leverage their strengths and feel engaged and feel like they're contributing to all of this. I think D&D typically does that. We all feel special. We all feel heroic. We have a moment, right, where we're the hero. (laughs) You know, it's not solely because you have this ability, you have this skill. 
that's just part of the requirement. You have to have everybody recognize and enable that. So we need to uplift each other to enable this. You've got to do it for the team. So I think D&D and these other activities too can really give us practice in doing that for the workplace. Thanks to my guests, to sound engineer Elise Simons and to producer Zoe Ferguson. And a special thank you to Matthew Crawford for his voiceover work. He really is a wizard. I'm Lisa Leong, probably a rogue. (laughs) Thanks for listening to This Working Life. This Working Life is made on the lands of the Bidjigal people of the Darug Nation and the Walradjuri people of the Kulin Nation. Well, I was just thinking of a management board game. I mean, it's a little bit like Snakes and Ladders. Oh, yeah. Meets Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, work it, baby. (laughs) You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.